Hello, my name is Susan, and I have the privilege to read the sermon scripture today in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another varieties of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. This is God's Word. Amen. Thank you, Susan. Thanks, team. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks, everybody. Oh, all right. My name is Miguel, and I am excited to be with you this morning. How are, how are you? Are we, is the time, or is the sun getting a little bit darker every morning? I feel that, yeah. Man, I wish I could have a conversation with each of you, because I want to know how you're doing. I'm, I'm curious how this, this topic um, has played out in your life. And so I'm going to make myself available for the month of October, and I would love to have more in-depth conversations that we cannot have here, but I'm very excited for this, this month, and I'm excited to share with you um, this message. Uh, for the last two months, we've been in Psalm 23. I don't know if you remember how many of you enjoyed that uh, and got, you know, uh, received a lot. I, I received a lot from that. Um, I feel, it was almost like every week I was in, on the verge of tears just being reminded of God's faithfulness and goodness. Um, I wish we could have spent like seven more weeks or months in Psalm 23 because it's so rich. But we're going to transition, as John uh, told us, uh, we're going to transition back to our study in 1 Corinthians. And this study is called Your Body, Christ's Body, and the Church Body. And as, as a quick reminder for our context, if you don't know, the the... The letter of 1 Corinthians is a letter that Paul wrote to a church in Corinth, and I have my clicker here. Uh, the church city name was called Corinth, and, oh, that's not it. There's a slide of a, a, a map. There you go. Sweet. Thank you for people that know how to use things better than me. Uh, Corinth was a, a, church, a city that was rebuilt by the Roman emperor Caesar and was dedicated as a strategic colony in a Greek isthmus. Can everybody say isthmus? Isthmus is a cool geographical term. It's that little stretch of land that's surrounded by body of water on both sides. 
this this led the city to be a port city that had a lot of people coming in and a lot of melting pots and ideas and practices. Uh, very, uh, very like the city that we find ourselves in. Uh, for the Corinthians, these cultural pressures seeped into their church. And if you remember our study, they really struggled with a lot of things. Division, sexual immorality, lawsuits among themselves, temple cults, idolatry, uh, unknowingly participating in demonic rituals. It's safe to say that even though these were brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, that much of their corporate expression was dysfunctional, right? Uh, but Paul has been throughout the book of Corinthians firmly but pastorally connecting, correcting them, excuse me. And now he turns their attention to the topic of spiritual gifts in chapter 12. And as John alluded, we're going to spend two weeks on this passage because it's very, very rich. Um, and we want to take a little moment to slow down. So this first week, we're going to focus on and highlight the source of the gifts. So we're going to focus and highlight on the source of the gifts, uh, which is the triune God, uh, the Father, the Spirit, and the Son. And next week, we'll come back to the second half of the passage to unpack a little more about the specifics of the gifts and their purpose. So before you think we're going to dive in straight to like tongues and interpret it, don't worry. We're going to do that next week. Get a little time. We're going to ramp in. Um, I, I hope to bring you along and be winsome and that God would inspire you. It is my heart's desire to, uh, to do that. So language nerds, we're also going to be having some fun with vocabulary. So I know we got some language people here that, yeah. Uh, how many of you like language? I hope you do, because <laughs> you all use it. <laughs> um, all right, I'm excited to learn and apply these things to, to our congregation. So for the next two weeks, the kind of meta idea is this, that every individual believer is given ministries and activities that are activated and empowered by the triune God for our growth and unity. There is a slide for that, and I'm, I apologize. There you go. So will you say this with me? Every individual believer is given ministries and activities that are activated and empowered by the triune God for our collective growth and unity. That's what I hope to communicate the next two weeks with you. And that's what I hope that God will also communicate with you. So let's read 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11 again, just so we get it in our, in our heads a little bit. So now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters... Because that they're address, he's addressing uh, both people there. Uh, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I, don't, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit utterance of wisdom, and another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. 
by the one spirit, excuse me, to another, the working of miracles, prophecy, the ability to distinguish between the spirits and another various kinds of tongues to another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So pray with me. Uh, Father, um, Father, Spirit, and Son, God, we, the triune God, we, we pray that you would strengthen us to understand uh, the words of this passage, to, to understand the mysteries and dynamics between uh, the three persons of the Godhead, um, to understand your empowerment in us. Would you strengthen us, God, to receive your word, uh, strengthen us to hear it, and strengthen me, Lord, to share it accurately. And we pray that you would inspire us, inspire me, um, that your, as we sang, that your spirit would fall fresh on us, God, in Jesus' name. So if we start at verse 1, I'm going to work through it verse by verse. Uh, if we start at verse 1, it says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, I think there's one slide where you can go and it has it specifically focused in. Uh, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. And another way to translate it is concerning the things of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant. Uh, Paul's motivation is very clear at the beginning of this section. He desires that the Corinthians would be informed, made aware, and educated about the things of the Spirit. Paul, the apostle, is eager to teach them about spiritual gifts, spiritual things, so that they can no longer remain agnostic. That word agnostic means not, not to know. So uh, to illustrate this a little bit, I... Earlier this, this year, I was able to go with my wife. There's a picture of us in Italy. We were able to travel to Italy at the beginning of this summer. Um, it should be up there. Yep. Uh, all right. There's a picture of her, and uh, I'm taking the picture. It, we're on Mount Vesuvius, which is kind of amazing. We rented a beast of a car, if you know the Fiat. It's like 35 horsepower. <laughs> And we zipped to and fro the Neapolitan coast. Uh, thankfully, we did not get into any car accidents. And I did not get pulled over for speeding. So uh, I thought, we thought we were in the clear, right? No, no tickets, no violations. But just last month, uh, lo and behold, I got an email. My wife got an email. And we had been busted for violating the traffic. Um, and I wish I could have pleaded ignorance, right? But I very much remember the instructions that the fratello or the brother um, gave me in the, the rental car place. He told me that I could drive in every area except for wherever these signs were posted. Zona Trafico Limitato. The ZTLs. We returned the car, and I thought we had avoided every ZTL, but um, it wasn't true. So... I, and I remember him telling me, so I could not claim that I was agnostic about this. So it's a silly example, but for the church in Corinth, they were kind of like me, zipping all over the road with their spiritual things and gifts. And in many ways, their ignorance led them to be kind of reckless when it came to the gifts. And Paul was about to tell them, hey, there are a few things 
about the spiritual gifts that you need to know. And this knowledge is going to cause you to change how you use them. Um, so if we look at the next verse, it says, You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Uh, another way to translate it would be, You were drawn away and you were forever being led to these voiceless idols. Paul is reminding the Corinthians of their humble roots and how much and how far God has saved them from their past. The Corinthians had been misled to the empty worship of idols. And like we learned earlier, the city was full of pagan ideas and practices. But Paul is saying that many of those statues that were made by man did not have life-giving words. Man-made idols cannot instruct nor bring clarity about life-giving spiritual practices. They were voiceless. In contrast, Paul tells them that God is able to speak, and specifically through people who have been given his spirit. Paul is helping them become aware and informed about a God who is not mute. And so that's where he says in this next verse, this is why I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God can say Jesus is cursed. And no one, able to, no one is able to say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, why, why is Paul saying this? Why is he illustrating it through this phrase? What is it about this phrase that Jesus is Lord have to do with the Holy Spirit? Well, let, let's stop and think. It's, and and if, we, if we think just for a little bit, it's actually a supernatural thing to believe and confess the phrase, Jesus is Lord. It's a, it's a deeply supernatural thing. Uh, and, and I want to just take some time for our language nerds, some of you, many of you, hopefully. Um, so we'll do a little vocab. So this, this English word Lord uh, is the Greek word kyrios. So there was a song in the 80s, I don't know it, but uh, maybe didn't hear it. <laughs> but can we say kyrios? Yeah, kyrios. So in the Greek, uh, that is the word Lord. Uh, in, our, in our English translation, we, we have the word Lord. But kyrios is a title which comes from a Hebrew title uh, that is written all throughout the Old Testament. And if you, if you look at it, flip anywhere, almost anywhere, in every, almost in every single book. In fact, it was 6,826 times in your Old Testament, you'll find in all caps, L-O-R-N-D. And this is a title. This title was in the Hebrew, Adonai. So we have that little slide there. Yeah. So everybody say Adonai. All right. But Adonai is still a title. It's still a title. And uh, it became a title because uh, the scribes and the rabbis thought that the name of God was too holy to pronounce. Uh, they thought it was too sacred and that maybe it was even unpronounceable, unknowable. So instead, they replaced the name with the title, Adonai or Lord. But behind the title, we have the name and God's self-disclosed covenantal name, Yahweh. This is the name that he gives Moses when Moses asks him, 
Who will I tell? Pharaoh is saying, let my people go. And God from within the burning bush, he, t- he responds and he says, tell them, Yahweh, I am that I am. Yahweh, yeah. So saying Jesus is Lord is, what, what's our conclusion? Right? It's kind of a supernatural uh, conclusion, right? To say Jesus is Lord is to say Jesus is Yahweh. And Jesus is the I am, the uncreated, self-existent, eternal one. It's a profound mystery. And I know that there's a lot more to say about that. But Jesus himself said, I and the Father are one in John 30. And when he said that, people in that room were ready to stone him. They're like, what? You're making yourself out to be God. How dare you? Um, He was calling himself God. That's what the, the claim was. So unlike the voiceless idols, the Holy Spirit is the one who enables every believer to understand Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Yahweh. Not only this, but the Spirit of God is not going to contradict himself when it comes to confessing things about Jesus. The Spirit of God is known as the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of God cannot contradict himself when he's speaking about the other parts of the Trinity, the Godhead. Father, Spirit, Son. So I, I drew this little, uh, I like drawing things like that. <laughs> and uh, it's just a funny little thing. I mean, the Trinity is unexplainable in a lot of ways. But God is not confused within himself. He's not going to send a confused message about who he is. The Spirit of God will always harmonize with what Jesus is doing Jesus will always harmonize with the will of the Father. The, Father. the Father's will will always harmonize with the Spirit's work. Paul is laying down the foundation for the spiritual gifts. And I have this quoted in the, in the next slide. If the spiritual gifts originate and are expressed from God, they will affirm and confirm the other persons of the Godhead, the Spirit, the Father, and the Son, and therefore increase our understanding and our experience of Him. I, yeah. So if we go to our next verse, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6, it says, Now a variety of, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And think of how important this triplet that we see here, three three clauses, variety but the same. Think of how important it is for the Corinthians to understand. Remember how divided they've been, right? Remember that uh, that's been their biggest temptation as a church, Uh, you know, they're claiming, they're, they're getting into cliques, and they're saying, oh, well, I'm from Apollos, and I'm from Peter, and I'm from blah, 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 blah. Well, you guys are the same church. Why are you acting like you're, um, you know, part of a different church? They're taking each other to court. That's not really good. They're, they're factionalizing into cliques. They're hurting people within their own congregation. Uh, but Paul is saying, hey, Corinthian church, instead of division... Consider and meditate 
upon the unity of God. Just look to the Trinity. And then, consequently, the spiritual gifts will only make sense within that unity. So God is always operating in a unified manner. We do not see division or fighting within the three persons of the Trinity. Instead, we see a harmonious purpose and a trifold divine collaboration. I believe there's a slide about that in the next one. Yeah. God is always operating in a unified manner. We do not see division or fighting within the three persons of the Trinity. Instead, we see one harmonious purpose, a trifold divine collaboration. There's a, there's a little song that we sang a few months ago. It goes, there are many gifts, but the same spirit. There are many hands, but the same Lord. There are many works, but the same God who empowers them all. And then it says, we won't be divided. We are a house united. So let's put the next slide up also and just see uh, this, this wonderful thing. So there are a lot of what Paul calls uh, gifts or grace gifts and and maybe I can do it here. Yeah. Um, this word, charismaton, charis, charismaton, grace gifts, uh, they come from the same spirit. Uh, there are many, many services, which the, the Greek word is diakona, diakonon, diakonion. So where we get deacons, there are many kinds of services, but it's the same. We already learned this one. What, do you remember what it was? The word? Curious, yeah, don't, you can be curious about it. Uh, there are many activities, oops, yeah, but the same God. And that word activities is this, this Greek word energematon, like energizings. Uh, it's the same God. So it's amazing. There is one triune God with purposeful, personal, let's see. Purposeful, personal, united diversity. So again, every source, the source of every spiritual gift is the triune God. So do we remember our main idea? Let's repeat it again. Every individual believer is given ministries and activities that are activated and empowered by the triune God for our collective growth and unity. So this is how God has always been and how he will always operate. Now, if you join me in, in for the Gospel Academy, one of the things that we are going to go through is go through the Old and New Testament and see how the, there is this inextricable collaboration always between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, starting from creation and then redemption and salvation and today in the empowering, empowering of all believers. So God is active. He, Jesus is alive, and he will continue to build his church through the power of the Holy Spirit, and the gates of hell will not prevail. How many of us believe that? Yeah, a little bit. Next week, we'll focus more on the gifts again, but we must first understand the reality of the Godhead as the source, the bestower, 
and the empowerer of the gifts. And I'm saying this over and over and over and over again because I know that the gifts are very complicated. But we have to start there. So the Trinity is a great mystery, and I think oftentimes we've tended to intellectually divide God a little too much to make sense of him. And in my classes, I remember, you know, we'd talk about uh, interpreting certain things, and, and then we'd say this phrase, I think you sliced the pie a little too thin right there. You know, maybe you overstepped. Um, we know that the God of scriptures reveals himself as three distinct persons, Father, Spirit, Son. But those distinctions often overlap with one another. And I'll, I want to start with first giving you a uh, more of a subjective, personal example. So for many years, I used to struggle with this compartmentalization of God. And the way that it manifested was specifically through prayer. Uh, I knew that, you know, when I was saved, it was like God, Father. I mean, I grew up in the church, knew about the Trinity. What was that one song? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, God in three persons, blessed. All right, yeah. I knew that. I knew that, right, in my head. But when I prayed, I, when I was a first a believer, I would pray mostly to Jesus. And I know we're supposed to pray to the Father, and he taught us. But it was something that I had to work out myself. I'd pray to Jesus because I thought he was safe. You know, he was a man. You know, he's a human he understands, you know, but when I started thinking about God the Father, uh, it was something about that title and dynamic was a little too authoritative for me. And I grew up in a church that had some issues with authority and how that was being handled and heavy handed from the pulpit. And so it was a little scary when I thought of God the Father, to be frank with you. It was a little scary. Like, you know, is he vindictive? Is he going to strike me down if I do this. Um, but then, as I read through scriptures, you know, Galatians uh, says that he, he was our Abba, right? He is our Abba. And that's like a daddy, kind of, like an English papa, or Spanish, excuse me. Uh, and lately, I've been trying to grow in my understanding and experience of the Holy Spirit. He helps me pray and live. And there's so many rich t uh, texts where it says, you know, um, Live by the Spirit, and you will not, not gratify the things of the flesh. So it, it's, yeah, it's easy, I think, for us to compartmentalize God, especially when we add intellect in there, because I think sometimes, you know, we want to be uh, smart about it. But if we look carefully at the scriptures, it's actually, there are distinctions. And yet, also, it's hard to... Uh, it's hard to pry them away from each other also. Um, there are some head-scratching, spiritually wonderful realities that seem to be paradoxes, but they actually, I find them inspirational. And I hope you do too, and you get to marvel with me. And I want to illustrate this by looking at John 14. And you, could look, you can open that up in your own Bible. John chapter 14, verses 12 through 18. I will only put verses 15 through 18 on the screen because it's too big. But if you want to look on your Bible, you can do that. John 14, verses 12 through 18. And the context is that Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples. He's washing their feet. He's explaining that he, he's going to die for them on the cross. And he's sharing this last supper with them. He says, 
He's telling them, I need to go away, disciples, but I'm going to ask my father, and he's going to send a helper. So let's look at it closely. I'll start reading um, verses 12. Uh, The one who believes in me, in the works which I do, these he'll be able to do, and greater than these he will be able to do, since I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, in order that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything, if you ask me in my name, I will do it. And this part, oh yeah. Let's see, I'll ask the Father. Yes. If you love me, keep my commandments. This is, and then now this, this part's up here. All right, so before we read the next three verses, I just want to say we're going to interactively think about when Jesus is speaking of himself, when he's speaking of the Father, and when he's speaking of the Spirit. All right, does that make sense? So he starts out by saying, I will ask, right? We know that that's Jesus. I will ask the Father, and he, the Father, will give another helper. That's referring to, yeah. Uh, So that he might be, oh yeah, he might be with you forever, the Spirit, I think. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither knows him nor sees him. You know him. Now, now this is where it gets really tricky. Who are we talking about when it says, you know him? Yeah. But wait, I thought Jesus was still going to go and so that they can have the Spirit. How do they know him? Right? The spirit of truth, he is not able to, the world is not able to receive. They do not see nor know him, but you know him. You know the spirit, disciples, because he dwells with you and he will be in you. This is a weird passage, right? What's going on? And, and uh, I, I think it, for me, it, it was that... Um, they know him, they, the, the, the disciples know the Spirit, because the Spirit is with Christ, right? He's with Christ. And he, Jesus says, he dwells with you, not because the Spirit is in the same way that we, after the resurrection, and after Pentecost, the Spirit was poured out. I think he was saying, he dwells with, with you because he dwells in me, Jesus. I have been, Jesus is the one who's been with the disciples They've tasted and seen the Spirit, but as Jesus says, he will be in you. So, yeah, and that, that I think, is a clearer thing. Is like, okay, at Pentecost, the Spirit is going to come. Uh, and then this next one, it's even more of a crazy one. I will not leave you as orphans. That's Jesus speaking. I will come to you. So, When he says, I will come to you, who is he referring to? Is he talking about his second coming? I don't think so. I think he's actually talking about the Holy Spirit. 
it's kind of a big deal. And I believe that Jesus is going to return in bodily form and in human form. But until then, he's given us his presence through the Spirit. Now, why, why am I stressing the distinctions and the overlaps? It's my desire that as we stop, start to talk about the spiritual gifts this whole month, we're not talking about some disconnected or strange part of God. We're talking about the same one. And the problem with the Corinthian church was that they had so many gifts among them. If you read in the next two chapters, they, but they did not understand that the gifts were meant to increase unity, to strengthen the body, and that they should operate in harmony. But Paul is correcting their theology in, in order that their church vitality and experience of God's love and maturity would all increase. There's, a, there's an, another old song. It goes, Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and ye shall find. You can sing louder. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Singing hallelujah, hallelujah. You know it. Yeah. Kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you singing hallelujah hallelujah yeah i love that song and it was planted in my heart a long time ago as a kid in sunday school which is why that what they're doing over there is amazing um but it took me a long time to realize that, did you know that, that that third verse where it says, ask and it will be given unto you, that's actually referring to the Holy Spirit. So if we look at Luke chapter 11, uh, this is the last scripture that we'll have. Uh, Jesus is teaching his disciples. He says, what father among you, your earthly fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will you, instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And the verse before was, Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open unto you. And the, 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 the purpose is we ask for more of the Holy Spirit. We ask for the Spirit. So Solano, the, the, the Spirit is a gift. It's a gift of Jesus' presence. Um, that which cost Jesus his life when he went to the cross. It took his precious cleansing blood to wash us from our sin in order to make our bodies a temple for the Almighty God. It's amazing. So do, do we realize the statement of love of having the Holy Spirit. Do we realize that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee, the down payment, as Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 15 says, the down payment of eternal life that is to come in Christ. It's the Holy Spirit who testifies within us and cries out, Abba, Father. He affirms our adoption in Christ. It is the Holy Spirit who groans within us when we see injustice in the world, when we experience hurt, he groans within us. 
with groanings too deep for words in Romans 8. It is the Holy Spirit who empowers us to walk in a Christ-like, obedient way, who helps us understand the mind of God, Galatians 5, 16. It is the Spirit who helps us see the kingdom of God. In John 3, you remember Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. You must be born again. Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. So let's pause and allow God to encourage you in this truth. Uh, there's, there is another song that says, The same power that conquered the grave lives in me, lives in me. It was less known, I think. <laughs> the same power that conquered the grave lives in us. So, Solano, I pray and hope that you lean into the triune God, Father, Spirit, Son, more this season. Let's discover and grow together. Let's correct, maybe if we need to, some impoverished thinking about the Spirit. Let's heal and restore potential wounds from the past that have hurt us as people have, may have misused the topic of the Holy Spirit and His gifts. Uh, let's, let's allow God to empower us to become a beautiful expression of His Trinitarian love. So next week, we will dive more into the gifts, that list. But for now, let's just, let's just soak in it. Let's let, ask God to transform, renew, rekindle afresh the mysterious, powerful, and imminent God who loves us and wants us to keep growing in him. And I'll lead us in one more song, which we sing. I think we all know this one. It goes... Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. Amen. So, Father, uh, you have... Come to us, and you've not left us as orphans, but we've been adopted. And it's because of your spirit that cries out that you are our Abba, our Father. Um, would, you, would you bless us, God, with a fresh movement of your spirit? Uh, would you, to use the, the metaphors of the scripture, would you kindle and fan into flame that which is already in us, your presence? the spirit of your precious son, Jesus. Would you do that, God, and help us to, to just understand you more in, in a unique way. God, some of us have been walking with you for a long time. Some of us have been walking with you for less of a long time. And we just ask for more of you, God. We ask for more, not only individually, but uh, collectively, congregationally. And then we ask, God, that you would be moving in our churches among us that you'd be unifying us and help us to grow and experience more of you and your amazing Trinitarian love. We thank you, Jesus, and in your mighty name we pray. Amen.